Hi everyone, this is Lockdown Mums the Podcast, the show where I chat to you lot the mums about what it's like to be a mum or become a mum during lockdown. This week's episode I chat to the wonderful Louise um, and we are going to be talking a bit about mental health and baby loss. Um, I really hope that this episode um, is helpful to anyone out there that has been through this Um, and also please remember that if you are dealing with something there is always somebody to reach out to, um, me included. Um, So yeah, let's get on with the show. How are you? Yeah, slightly frazzled. Um, I've just been like rushing back um, in traffic. So yeah, I was trying to get back. Where, where have you been <laughs> today? Time, but it's not worked out that way. Have you been at work or? Just been out and about in the great outdoors. No, no, just um, just with double trouble out in the woods. So there was a lot of mud and then a lot Made of traffic. Adventures. So I'm here. Good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it's nice to have you on the show. We finally managed to rearrange. Yeah. <laughs> such is the life of a mum life happened <laughs> yeah. yeah how are you feeling at the moment I'm getting there yeah I am getting there it was um a pretty rough patch it was a bit, bit of a wobble um but yeah are you in a better place now yeah I feel I feel much better this week I think with Winston being so sick and me just being tired I think I just hit that point where I was just like I can't do this anymore yeah yeah it never like I I've struggled with depression and anxiety for a really really long time and I never thought that having a child would make it so much worse but it it, there have been times when I just think what what have I done (laughs) which that's awful yeah but like it's not every mom spoken to has said what have I done um, it especially comes strong at like 3am mm. when you're in the dark and on your own and they're screaming and you think, why have I done this yeah. to myself? So every <laughs> single mum, I would think, has thought that. And if they haven't thought that, I think they're lying. <laughs> if they're telling you they've never thought that, I don't believe them. <laughs> oh, so um, it's rough. Yeah, it, it's just a tad, but it's getting better. And hopefully the older he gets, the easier it will get. Or we'll just come to a new challenge and then I'll just uh, attempt just to... Just different things, yeah. yeah different things. You become more um, immune to the, <laughs> the chaos, yeah. <laughs> I mean, with two as well, God, can't even imagine. It must be so hectic all the time. Yeah, it's constantly trying to prevent either one of them from killing themselves in some way by falling off a sofa or, like, putting their tongue in a plug socket or and it but it's just like you'll you'll manage to save one and then the other will be like hanging off a table it's just you're <laughs> just bouncing sitting. between yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah it's fun it's fun yeah it's all worth it really we all complain a little bit but really oh yeah you can't you can't not love them to pieces just they could be crying no. one minute and then they'll just give you a smile and it's all forgiven <laughs> No good at any any other job anyway, so I might as well do this for a bit. So Although I, it's rubbish pay and there's no annual leave or This is leave, very so. true. You literally get no time off. So just be warned. Mm. <laughs> so would you mm. would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so I'm Louise. Um on Instagram, I'm lost motherhood, etc. Um and I set up my account about two, three years ago now. Um and it was just sort of and um and process a really difficult pregnancy that we'd been through 
Um, so I had a twin pregnancy where we sadly lost one of the babies really late on at nearly 20 weeks. Um, and my surviving baby, Eva, who is now three and a bit, um, she had to come out very early, not long after that. So we had nine weeks in the unit, NICU, um, until she came home two days before Christmas. Um, and that's three years ago now. And we've since been um, blessed with a rainbow pandemic baby. I suppose you could call her. <laughs> <laughs> She's got a grand title, um, Maria, um, and she is 10 months old. So, yeah, I've got, uh, I, I can't seem to have babies without a dramatic story attached to them. So I've just kind of used the online world to um, verbal diarrhea all a bit really and just heal and process from it and um, connect with a lot of other people that have been through similar so that's me in a nutshell. So I can imagine lockdown has been challenging for you having a young child and having a baby. <laughs> what do you find what do you think was the the main struggle that you had? Uh, with two in lockdown? Mm. Yeah I think it's that you ever have time alone and I know that that's quite a common mum feeling anyway um but you you really can't in lockdown because there's no let up and there's no break so normal times where you might think oh I can just uh, you know maybe the grandparents around or I can um, have at least a change of scene or see different people and different friends that's it's starting to loosen up now isn't it with the rules but a lot of the time that hasn't been a possibility to break it up um, so I think I found that really, really tricky that you are constantly in mum mode in your brain and there's no other part of you or part of your identity that there might have been if there wasn't a pandemic. There's different places you could be in different, you know, you mm. could be some, you know, not just mum, you could be friend or this, that or the other. Is that making any sense? I think yes, that's what I'm definitely. struggling with, that you're constantly mum. Yeah. Yeah. And I suppose when we had our little ones, it was kind of just as it was all kicking off as well, wasn't it? So there really was like, like that first lockdown was just nothing was there. You walked outside and there was just nobody there. And so that feeling of isolation that you probably get a little bit of having a child out of lockdown has just amplified so much more. Um, but then I suppose as well, yeah. did you find that sort of, when was it maybe June time when things started to let up a little bit did you find things got a little bit easier then or was it just kind of has it just been the same the whole way through um well I've not done baby groups this time with Maria because they just they just all got closed down when she was born um and then when the weather got better I think you just kind of took it upon yourself to get out anyway and it's just yeah it's not really happened I think we've been lucky um I always keep counting my lessons that we don't have school-aged children because I genuinely don't know how people have done homeschooling. I, I don't know. know how they've done that. Um, because East Maria has absolutely no idea what's going on. And Eva is too young to... She doesn't ask for friends. Um, you know, like when the nursery's shut down, mm. she's upset or confused or asking to see her friends because I think she's just too young. She likes going and she's happy when she's there, but she's not old enough I think to you know and things like birthday parties are just I can't handle these heartbreaking stories about you know like seven and eight year old birthday parties where nobody yeah. could come and things like that I just I just feel grateful it's hard because of how small they are and how intense and dependent they are um that's really tough because of their ages but on the other hand grateful 
that we don't have to do the homeschooling and they're, they're not aware of it and they're not upset about it. Yeah, that's so true. I can't even imagine what, I, I don't think I could do the homeschooling thing. I just, it, oh, it gives me anxiety just thinking about having to do it. <laughs> so take my hat off to anyone that's done it, especially if you've got more than one kid or a kid that's maybe doing their GCSEs or something. So you've just got all that extra pressure. <laughs> yeah, from a teenager that just doesn't doesn't mm. want to know. <laughs> oh, mm. I do, I, I find that social media has been just an absolute lifesaver for me over the last few months. And I'm sure you you probably have too, because I, I feel like that might be where you got part of your voice from to be able to speak out about your loss. Do you feel, how do you feel about social media and about how it's become a platform for you to kind of help other women that have gone through what you've gone through? I think what I found was that you can literally say anything and there will be somebody who has been through the same thing because it is so isolating loss like baby loss of any kind is so isolating and I think you maybe convince yourself that because of the nature of our loss that you wouldn't be able to find anybody out there because uh, it's quite an unusual type mm. um but there's there's hundreds if not thousands of us out there um, and I easily found people that I could relate to so I think it's fantastic for that um but yeah it's just it's so weird because this thing I say on my account that I might not even say to my own mum or you know close friends because mm. you just feel like it's such a safe space I don't know if you feel like that yeah I do and actually do you know what your the conversation that I had with you last week when after the night that I had with Winston no it was the, I think it was a bit before the night I had with Winston and then I just kind of hit that point where I was like I I need to reach out and just tell somebody else how I'm feeling at the moment that's not in my inner circle because although they understand what I'm going through and they'll be sympathetic they're not all going through exactly what I'm going through and I was really surprised at the response that I had from people just messaging me privately, just giving me advice or just saying, I'm in exactly the same boat or I've been there. Like, trust me, it gets easier. And within about three or four hours, even though I was just so tired and just felt emotionally broken, I felt a little bit better because I knew that I wasn't the only one going through it. And obviously... I've never experienced anything like what you have, but I can imagine it's quite healing when you're able to just talk about it openly. Because I feel like that from, yeah. from podcasts that I've listened to and things that I've seen on social media, a lot of the problem is, is that people just don't want to talk about it. And how, how does that make you feel? Like if somebody wants to approach you to talk about it, like what do you feel is the best way to kind of bring it up in a subject if it's someone that hasn't been through it before that wants to talk to you about it? I always say, um, whether it's professionals or just general and, and you know, anyone in general, if you're wanting to talk to somebody who's had a loss, say, ask them how do they want it to be spoken about? Because a lot of niggles, I would say, in the loss community is that you will get assumptions made or you will get people um for example I don't I don't really use the name of the baby that we lost whereas a lot of other people passionately want to keep that name 
in the family and spoken about and they want um you know they might have the name around the house somewhere or especially at Christmas you know on decoration of the Christmas tree with their name on, all that all that kind of thing I it's just not something that that heals me or helps me but a lot of people would assume it so a lot of people would say to me oh so what what was the name of your angel for example that gets said a lot whereas really I would feel the question should be do you want me to use the name Mm. and do you use the term angel because it's just do you see what I'm saying I think I would find it massively more helpful if you just were allowed to set up your store like this is how I see it these are the words I use these are the things I don't like to talk about with it Um, and then because it's it's so individual it is a cliche but grief is individual Mm. and like I've just given you that example there it's very common for people to really want to use the name and to be asked what was the name. And I think I'm quite unusual in that I don't. Um, yeah, that would be my advice. I think if you haven't experienced it, just say, how do you want me to approach this topic? Mm. Because then you can't offend them. You can't upset them because they've told you. Yeah, I think that's most people's worry, isn't it? That they don't want to say say the wrong thing, which is 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 obviously understandable. You don't want to upset somebody, but at the same time, it's important for you to be able to talk to them about it because you can't just ignore grief. You can't just sweep it under the carpet and be like, oh, chin up. Oh, it'll be okay. Like that's just not a thing. And I find that a lot with people that have depression. There are some people that I will speak to about anxiety and depression that either just don't have enough understanding about it or just it makes them feel really uncomfortable to talk about it and they just kind of want to just be like oh you'll be okay don't worry keep your chin up and you're like it's not the answer I was looking for but <laughs> okay thanks <laughs> <laughs> close but no cigar but that's quite a similar situation where if somebody just said to you how do you see depression what does it mean and for you that might help the conversation yeah I don't even know if I could answer that to be honest <laughs> it might take me <laughs> I could definitely do one for anxiety oh yeah. yeah yeah I don't know just it's bizarre isn't it the emotional roller coaster you go through as soon as you become pregnant do you did you feel different when you became pregnant or did you did it take you a while to kind of realize okay I'm pregnant this is happening kind of thing um well the first time around we didn't really get too far down the line before we started to get a lot of worries um, and risk so I never really enjoyed the sort of fairy tale pregnancy that you kind of feel that you're expecting to have um, I've since come to learn although that doesn't actually exist so <laughs> there's that um, everybody I've spoken to thinking Louise I don't think this exists this, this perfect pregnancy that you're imagining um, but yeah I didn't I didn't ever sort of embrace it and enjoy it. It was more like, let's get through it week by week. So it was it was quite a clinical, grim affair. Um, but the second time, I had to do a lot of work to not let the anxiety of the first time take over. Um, and I just realised that the, the joy of what could come if we got that end result um, it outweighed the fear of what could go wrong. Um, and I think once you realise that you don't produce carbon copies of pregnancies, mm. um, you know, what because the first pregnancy happened as it did, it didn't mean I could have five, six, seven more pregnancies and they'd be all completely different. And I think once the penny drops on that, you can really start to, yeah, for what it is. 
So how how was your second pregnancy after you kind of got your mind around the fact that it wasn't going to be like your first? It was amazing because it was all of the things that I couldn't do before. So I still put a wall up and I still held back. Um, but I prepared, I, like, I packed a hospital bag, which for me is revolutionary because I just <laughs> like, because last time it was just such an, you know, a late, it was, it was an emergency and it was all, it was, the birth was really traumatic, et cetera. Whereas this time it was, I was a day off 40 weeks when we had the C-section. So it, it couldn't have been more different. Um, so just to even pack a hospital bag was mind blowing for me. And then just to go through, we didn't find out the gender. So we were going through all Eva's old stuff to see what was, it was like gender neutral, you know, just to wash and get ready <laughs> and things like that. I, I didn't do anything normal um in any way like anything that's sort of in the happy preparation side of things just didn't I didn't do it um so that that was really lovely just to embrace that did you have a planned cesarean we did yeah yeah it was booked in we did try for natural um the second time but it just wasn't happening um so there's a midwife she sort of had had a quick look down there like as, as the time was coming and she went mm, you seem quite tense your muscles are quite tense I'm like well really <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not going to relax anytime soon like if you know me you know like I, I, I'm not going to calm down at 39 weeks pregnant so especially after loss so it's just I'm like th- those muscles aren't loosening up like they're going to stay tense so it looks like we're going to go for c-section <laughs> So they did try. They tried to ease it on naturally, but it was just no. Louise was not going to relax down there. So sunroof. It's okay, it That's okay. Each of their own. <laughs> We've all got our vices, haven't we? Yes. It obviously, just meant that you you got to hang out and relax and not have any labour pains and just yes. maybe be born a different way. Yeah. 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 But um, I wish luck that I hadn't have put pressure on myself to try and get this badge of honour of natural birth. Um, Because that's what I had in my head. And it actually made it worse because I was trying to bring it on. And the more I tried, the more tense I got. And it was never going to happen, actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I had the C-section booked for weeks. I just thought if I'd have just had that in my head and relaxed, for all we know, it could have happened naturally before if I'd have just chilled out a bit. But never mind. It was um, it was all fine. Yeah, I mean, we've all we've end. all got our own mindset towards things, haven't we? And I suppose at the end of the day, our yeah. body our body will do what it needs to do, and yours needed to have a cesarean. And as a lot yes. of people say, it came out of the sunroof, which I quite like that little enough. Yeah, yeah. What was um? Yeah. What was your recovery like afterwards? It was much quicker than the last time, um, but I'm assuming there was you know like emotional baggage trauma linked to that anyway maybe I came out in a physical recovery Mm. um being a bit longer but yeah this time I was up and about on my own uh like the next day giving myself a shower and amazing you know mooching up and down the corridors um whereas the first time I was getting wheelchaired around for a few days so it was quicker but I think was that maybe second child mentality of I've just I've got to get home and get the tea on because this I can't be messing around. <laughs> I've got a laundry to do. <laughs> Shuffling our postnatal ward. I've got stuff to I've got socks to match. So um yeah, it was I think you just you you know you're never gonna relax ever again now once in a second. So <laughs> I think there's that there's that mindset of oh let's just get on with it. <laughs> 
So how, how long were you in hospital for? Because obviously when, because if you said she's 10 months old, didn't you? She, she must have been mm-hmm. born around the same time as Winston. So Winston was the 23rd of she's May. She's 7th of May. Oh. Unless I've completely messed that up in my head. Is that right? Yeah, so 7th of May. I'm not very good so at numbers. We weren't allowed any partners in to stay or visit, were we? When If you had to stay in overnight. Yeah. That must no. be hard. But how sad is this? I don't know if you felt the same. Um, Maria actually spent a day in NICU. So she was in the same room that Eva stayed in for nine weeks because she swallowed a lot of water when she came out in the C-section. But they just needed to just like get it, you know, help her bring it up and look after her for a day. So I was on my own um, in, a, in my own room in the postnatal ward. And I can remember thinking, this is the first time I've been completely on my own for, for like seven or eight months because obviously we'd had all of lockdown. And I thought, this is really, like, I'm actually enjoying myself just because I'm on my own and nobody got <laughs> my child in Nikki, for God's sake. But I knew she was okay, but yeah. it was just like, this is mad. Like, I'm, I'm actually appreciating alone time. My, like, my body's in tattered, my baby's in Nikki, and I'm just thinking, like, oh, thank God, nobody wants me for 24 hours. <laughs> I'm having <laughs> some me time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've just birthed a child. Like, yeah, I think you should be entitled to have a little bit of downtime to just relax and just be quiet for a little while. I didn't get that. I think we went home. But that after just about shows six the extremities hours. of. Oh, did you? Mm. Oh, you're you're just yeah. In and out. Revolving door, then just sort of saw you out. Yeah. Way to get that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it just, like I say, it just shows the extremity of being a mum in lockdown. That like, that was seen as a treat in my mind. That's how intense it is to be a parent in lockdown because that that was like a spa. Yeah. I, <laughs> just I, having time to myself. I so. mean, I. It's weird because it feels like such a long time ago, but it wasn't really like when he was really small, when nobody could come and see him. Because I think when they're that little and they can't like roll around or they, you can literally put them on their mat and they'll just stay there. Like that, looking back, it, it, it feels so much easier than it does now, but it was hard when you're in it. Um, I just, yeah, I just want it to be over. I just want lockdown to be done. I want to be mm-hmm. able to just go and hug my friends and just because I heart, barely any of my friends have even met Winston. Like they've seen videos of him and stuff, but yeah. like he's almost walking now. So it's mad that they've missed out yeah. on so much stuff. And I just, I never in a million years expected my pregnancy to go this way. And although I'm sure there are a lot of benefits that we've had for him being home with us both, because obviously my husband works from home. There is a lot of stuff that I haven't gotten to do. And like, I go back to work in a couple of weeks time and I go back to almost go back to reality. And I didn't get that bit of maternity leave that I was really, really looking forward to. So yeah. Screw what you lockdown. What looking forward to <laughs> baby groups and yeah. <laughs> do you mean like meeting mums and going to different groups? Yeah. So we, I, I'm obviously lucky to be part of an NCT group. So I, I, we speak to each other every day. So I've been really thankful for that. And I did do a bit of baby sensory, but apart from that, I haven't really done anything. I've done like sing and sign online, but I just find the time to sit down and do it with Winston, who is literally all he wants to do is just crawl around and do things. (laughs) Doesn't want to, doesn't want to sit there and watch me sing and sign things to him. And he's like, no, mum. I want to go and chew on this cable somewhere. 
So yeah, I've missed I've missed that. Yeah, and I want to go and try and kill myself with a hoover. Yeah, yeah. I've missed I've missed the chance to sort of take him into work and show my colleagues and like go to coffee shops yeah, and sit show down. Him off. Yeah, exactly. And obviously, yes, I know I will get that eventually, but when you don't know when that's mm. gonna be, obviously you're gonna feel angry about that. So yeah. Yeah. I think something I've struggled with as well is that I'm really terrible assuming that I'm drowning and everybody else is absolutely fine so I think the fact that you're not seeing as many people you can't just like you said go to a coffee shop and just thrash something out with another mum friend you can convince yourself that you're bombing at mm. something whereas in the normal world you could just be able to go and meet someone in Costa and realize that they've had exactly the same issue or like you know they can top your situation with something else and oh that's nothing this happened to me yesterday and you're not having those instant conversations as much yeah that really help you know that you're not on your own but I suppose that's kind of where social media comes in because I feel like I've genuinely met some some friends through social media which obviously before lockdown before coming on mum I didn't ever really use it it wasn't really something that I was really bothered about but now it's like uh, almost like a, an, an extra lifeline of of women that just are there just to support you and to always give you what you need there's no negativity on body shaming or how you're feeling it's always there will always be somebody that knows to say the exact right thing and there's always people that are there to support you and so I am very thankful for that and how awesome would it be that after all of this happens, we can all have like a massive convention where we get all the ladies that have done podcasts, all the ladies that do blogs, and we can all meet up together and all get really drunk. <laughs> it's so funny that you've said that because I keep fantasizing about it because I keep thinking, oh my God, like if you look back, all the people that you've met and spoken to and like, you know, people you've done lives with and podcasts with and um you know I don't know written a blog for a guest blog or you just think oh wow like you've actually like you know that could be a real life glass of wine one day yeah. at, a, at a blogging event or you just place to go to them and then like, the world ended and you think yeah what's it called like a convention like comic-con but for mums that have yeah. been in lockdown yes <laughs> Mum, mama yeah, yeah just so <laughs> Evolvons. Yeah, just yeah, I do fantasize about that because they're so much fun. Um, and you do kind of forget sometimes, I think, that you're all real people. Mm. Um, you know, and you can get a bit caught up in what to post, when to post, and numbers. And I'm very honest about the fact that I do get caught up in that sometimes. I think I'm a lot better than I used to be, but it you do forget um that these are real people that you're connecting with sometimes and it's just so lovely mm. like I love things like this like I know it, it will be a podcast but I can I'm sat here looking at your lovely face it's nice just to connect with people face to face even if it is virtual yeah um, and I love doing lives as well because you can you're having a chat with somebody um so yeah it's it, there's there's many many benefits to this little app yeah I mean it's I don't world do you use um like Twitter or Facebook or is it mainly Instagram that you use I'm just an Instagram girl. I don't know. I, I used to have Facebook when it when I was like 19 at uni. And then because I went on to be a social worker, 
I came off it because they kind of warn you when you train in like don't be on Facebook because they will find you like the families that you work with and so like it's quite high risk oh, um so all right then yeah. <laughs> so, so you go on security settings and you just cancel it so I didn't have it for about 10 years um, and then I've come back on it again and realized that I've no idea what I'm doing and it's mainly just people that are your mum's age um selling crochet <laughs> um so which is great absolutely love crochet but I don't I don't know what to do on Facebook anymore it seems it seems like it's my generation's thing I don't know if I'm completely using it wrong no I think that's how, how I <laughs> feel about yeah, it yeah Instagram's my I feel like I just mm. scroll f- through Facebook and it's just stupid videos of dogs and cats doing silly things or like heartfelt oh this man rescued this horse from a river oh it's so nice that is that is just what my Facebook feed is so my Instagram is mainly for like when oh, I actually want to get it stuff when done. I have used it yeah I actually have found Facebook the more aggressive of the apps it when I have used it um Instagram's very friendly and welcome mm. um in terms of what I talk about and then if, if I've gone on Facebook it can get a little bit I feel like it's a bit more venomous in some areas. That's weird, isn't it? I wonder why that is. Maybe just a different kind of user. Maybe people just feel like they could be a bit more, I don't know. I wouldn't say nasty, but I don't know. It doesn't really make sense. It's a weird place. Yeah. Do you ever get to that point of the day when you just like hit a wall? And you're just like, oh God, I've got so much to do, but I feel so It tired. normally hits around 10 a.m. So yeah, you've, you've done well <laughs> to get to half four, really. I think it's because I know that I've got to go and pick Winston up soon and I've got to get dinner ready and I should have put a load of washing on. But I've caught Winston's cold. So this morning I just felt so awful. Oh, I dropped no. him off at nursery and I just sat on the sofa for like two hours, just feeling really sorry for myself. So I had a whole day where I could have been productive and I've done nothing, but I don't care. This is productive, I suppose, isn't it? I get to chat to you. This is nice. productive. Yeah. This is productive. Yeah. I had um, a session with a counsellor recently and she, I was telling her about a similar situation. You felt like you got to the end of the day and you hadn't achieved anything. And she said, well, what do you find as achievements? And I was sort of listing things that were like external, shut up external people validating you. And saying, oh, that was great, or you've achieved this, or that. And she said, why don't you write down like qualities and strengths that you think you've got? And then at the end of the day, look at how you've used those qualities and strengths. And then you'll you'll have this like list of achievements, which is linked to how wonderful you are as a person, rather than somebody giving you a pat on the head or, you know, getting a certain physical result, if that makes any sense. And I yeah. used to find that that was really helpful when she gave me that bit of homework. If you hadn't cleaned the whole house, but you'd still shown loads of patience with your toddler and you'd um, reached out to a friend to check they were okay, like showing that you're kind, you know, it, that I found that quite therapeutic. That's a much better way of so looking at it. That as a little yeah. Because you do, don't it you? Might, yeah, it does, on, on, days, on days where you where you just look around the house and you think, Jesus, what have I done? What have I achieved? <laughs> it does help to remind yourself that you're a nice person it's so hard (laughs) and you're trying especially when you're stuck at home all the time and you're just staring at the same stuff every day and you're saying I really need to sort that out and like three weeks 
passes and you're still exactly the same but yet you've still achieved so many other things and you've kept a tiny human alive so really you're doing pretty well like the fact that the table mm-hmm. is covered I mean you can't see it yeah. from the computer but there's just stuff everywhere doesn't make any difference to my life right now so mm. <laughs> just need to get it out of my mindset the other night my husband and I were going to bed and we were having a chat about something and I was like oh oh I need to do this and oh I need to clear out the cupboards I keep forgetting to do it and John was like is that seriously what you're thinking about right now before you go to bed it's like that kind of thing is so far from my mind like I honestly don't understand how your brain works Jen and I'm just like I don't know like you know when you just like see something and think oh, I've got to sort that and then it's just there in your brain and like if so I find it especially if I'm not feeling good or if I feel how upset, I think. yeah I, it gets worse like if I'm not in a good mood I'm like why is this like this and I should have cleaned this and this is not good enough and it's really I should just be yeah. going easy on myself yeah. when I feel like that which is yeah the mum definitely guilt. definitely I always say um, to my husband, I'm jealous of his brain. Like I'm jealous of the way he's wired up because he just doesn't seem to be up. Like you just said, you can look around the room and get really ticked off about what's not done or finished or tidy. I'm like, how can you just sit here and like not look around in despair and just like look at Sky Sports <laughs> on your phone? I feel jealous that they can like zone out. They can mentally check out really easily. I feel, yeah. Um. Talking of your <laughs> husband, what... um. What was it like for him? Yes. <laughs> what was it like Go for on. him? <laughs> obviously, this is a serious question, so I'm not going to laugh about it. But obviously, yes, sorry. It wasn't, yeah, let's, it wasn't, sorry, let's get serious. Yeah. It wasn't just you that went through baby loss. Your it wasn't husband. meant to start comically, this topic. Go on. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't just you. It was your husband as well. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of the time husbands, especially when it comes to checking in with um medical professionals they kind mm. of get forgotten about so what what was it like for him dealing with it all he is um working class Burnley boy alpha male protector to the max so he was I'm fine I'm gonna look after my family I'm just gonna keep going every day I'm gonna be really strong didn't see him cry other than the day that we had the scan and we found out we'd lost one of the babies he cried that day and then I didn't see him cry and he's just a powerhouse and he was the one that dealt with all the doctors so when we had Eva in the NICU I just couldn't even speak to them because I just didn't want to know and he was all getting all the statistics of you know what was what was next and what we were how we were going to get home and I just couldn't have those conversations so he was just an absolute rock of a man um still is anytime I crumble he's just amazing um, but he brews it up and stores it up. So not long after we got Eva home, uh, got shingles. I sh- this is the second time I've shared this now on a podcast. <laughs> my, husband, my husband's caught shingles, which is a really weird thing to talk about. But that's what I mean. Like he he stored it up mm. um, so much and then it kind of like came out physically and he just crashed. Um, so we deal with it completely different and I just won't shut up about it I will just tell you that listens and um, because that's how I process it and um, whereas he just powered through like he went back to work when he was incubator wow like he's it, just incredible I just don't know how he does that he still came you know to, to Nick every day and came to see me and her but he went to work every day as well 
I suppose everybody it, I just can't understand how yeah. he does these things but everybody has their own way of coping and I and I know a lot of people try and keep themselves busy don't they because they don't want to think about it and it makes it easier for them mm. but obviously like you said there are negative effects to not talking about your grief because it does come out in other ways in ways that you probably don't even realize yeah. it's coming out yeah yeah I mean he has learned from that um that is not the way to go because then you get shingles um and then I had to look after him for two weeks on the sofa so that we've realized that that's not that's not a useful method so now he talks a lot more god love him um but he did what he felt he needed to do for Mm. his family and he was amazing um and I can't thank him enough for that because you just take my role was turn up every day express milk for Eva like stay by her side on the unit and his role was get up go to work and keep going for my family so and now he like we do talk very openly about everything that happened um he talks very openly with friends he he sort of reached out to people that he respected like not just his dad but like other people that he'd see as father figures in his work you know like directors that he gets on with and things like that that he's seeing as people that are like 20 30 years down the line of life experience that have gone through a lot of stuff um because I think that's all you need to know you need to figure out life isn't black and white um so how do you sort of deal with it when it's gray because it's always quite messy life it's never normally um one thing or the other and I think that's something that I've been really struggling with lately that's why I've kind of been a bit quiet on Instagram lately but I'm slowly coming back now because I've been working that out how to live with the gray um, and everybody's got their version of what that is what their gray is so have you have you guys had this uh, the discussion about what you're going to say to your daughters when they're older about it um obviously about the fact that they would have had a sibling and how do you guys feel about bringing that up with them um I actually had a chat with a NICU nurse when Eva was still on before we were going to leave for home and she came up to me and she said I just wanted you to know that I'm a surviving twin and I went oh my god and I just hugged her and I said oh, why don't why didn't you tell me that weeks ago because I like I just love getting bits of evidence that people have similar situations and that are okay like they've lived a lovely happy thriving life afterwards so I said I would have loved to have known that like the whole time that we've been here and she said I just wanted you to know because I don't want you to go home thinking that like Eva's gonna live like half a life or like feel like something's missing or um like she won't be affected by this unless you let her mm. um and I think it, that, that was just a really massive moment for me that I didn't want to prescribe my loss onto how she feels it or sees it because it's a different loss mm. um so I'm really conscious of that like as she gets older I'm going to make sure that I'm not putting my uh experience and feelings of it onto her I just want to tell her it might sound a bit cold but quite matter of fact as what happened Mm. and then let her come to me as to how she wants to process it if that makes sense yeah Um, absolutely I'm sure we'll know when the time comes yeah when it will be right um I'm not in a rush but I'm not gonna avoid either so Mm. yeah it will get talked about but I don't want it to be in a way that um there's something missing or um you know we'll ever be sort of happy or complete or because I just feel like if you think that way you're doomed really to sort of live I call it a diet coke life 
uh, way sort of emotions and I don't want to do that um and this this nurse that was telling me the story she said she she never felt like something was missing she never um for a while and then when her mum told her it was the same matter of the fact that she thought well if I hadn't have known if you hadn't have told me I wouldn't be going through life now with this weird feeling that something's missing hmm. so yeah it's just something that stayed with me I mean the conversation will come when it comes but it's not something that I'm, I'm dreading or that I'm worried about that I used to be I think that's a really good way of looking at it because children are so they're so resilient and the way that they see life is just completely different to us. And they, they take information in and feel things just in a completely different way to us. And so I can imagine, like you said, just telling her about it honestly, but not, not giving her this, I wouldn't say maybe the sadness that you feel because for her, it's just another part of her life Mm. and, like you said, she will ask questions about it, but there'll be her questions to ask. It's not going to be you giving her this information. If she wants to yeah. know more, then she gets the decision to make that, which I think is probably the best way forward. It must be. <clears throat> yeah. And I can't wait as well. On the, on the other hand of the story, I can tell her how amazing she is mm. because she's literally like defied the odds. Like she, she, she could easily not even be here with how early she came. And I just, I just can't believe, sometimes I was looking at them like, I don't even know how, how are you here in my house? <laughs> how are you here wrecking <laughs> Destroying <my> everything. <laughs> um, you're driving me mad away. I just, yeah, destroying my life. Um, so I always keep saying to myself, like on bad days, like just remember you're a miracle, remember you're a miracle when you're driving me insane, you're a miracle. Um, <laughs> just, it's just a mantra. I massage my temples too. What's she like as a big sister? She's she's on board now, but it's taken a while. It has taken a while. I think she just thought, what the hell is this when Maria first arrived? Like, <laughs> what do you mean not the centre of your universe anymore? It was it was met with outrage at first. Um, but there was never jealousy or anger. Um, I've got quite a lot of mum friends where um the older sibling is is like lobbed remote controls at heads and pushed them off sofas and it like it's been met with a bit of aggression, whereas Eva was a bit just dubious and, and suspicious I think um but she gets on board now she you know that girls just love to help and love to pretend that they're mm. adults when they're three <laughs> they'll help with like nappy changing and Aww. in an overzealous unhelpful way but she's helping she and, means yeah. well yeah god love her oh do you have any siblings she does I do, yeah. I have a half-brother um, who is he's nine years younger than me, so it's always been a bit of a, you know, I'm, I'm hoping as the years go by you'll start to have more in common, but it's always that we've been in different chapters of life. Mm. So when I started high school, he was still in Maria, and um, like he's just in that awkward early 20s, feeling the pressure of the world, what do I do with my life? I need to have a career and leave things kind of <laughs> dilemma, um, whereas I'm just married just married with kids I don't like saying just but you know I mean you know I'm, I've kind of gone through and figured out what I wanted to do as a job and um yeah so it's a it's a strange dynamic but he's the total opposite of me as well I don't know if you have siblings and you you've got this but I, I am not a real being <laughs> I'm quite a stress head um and I worry about a lot and um he he doesn't care about anything he just doesn't like he's so relaxed I'd love to be that relaxed <laughs> and I just but he's lovely 
he's, he's really intelligent. I just think he's recently realised that he wants a, a job in hospital, um, which hasn't been great with lockdown, but um, he'll get there. But I always say that we need a slice of each other. Like I need a slice of his chill. Mm. He needs a slice of my get up balance, and go. Balance each other out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I think we've probably come towards the end of the show today, which is a shame because I've really enjoyed this conversation. Um, but I think we could wrap it up with the five things that you took for granted before becoming a parent. Okay. Okay. I've got my list here. So going on holiday mm. slash travel. Uh, impromptu plans and um being on your own appreciating time on your own uh hangovers without consequences and <laughs> my figure slash weight slash self-image oh yeah that's a big one for me too I just try not yeah. to think about it on the bad days and appreciate it on the good days but that's a whole episode in itself I just definitely it? took my it definitely is yeah I definitely took my size eight frame for granted I'm not getting that back (laughs) it's okay because your body is now strong and amazing and beautiful in so many other ways a size eight doesn't make you who you are your body makes you who you are it doesn't doesn't. (laughs) we love ourselves really but especially with uh, now with you know with um with lockdown it's it's there's heavy legging usage at the minute oh, oh yeah I'm not even looking at jeans somebody introduced me to jeggings the other day I don't know how I've missed this but they literally are the best thing ever because I've I've been living in my gym welcome to the world like of jeggings <laughs> amazing stretchy I'm very excited stretchy. for you it's yeah. a whole new world I know well done yeah <laughs> And once you can go back to Primark in, in April or May or whatever the bloody hell it is, then they've got a jegging, you know, what's the word? I want to say euphoria, that's the wrong word. Emporium, emporium jegging emporium. Yeah. Every kind of size, colour, yeah. shape, everything you could possibly need is in yeah, jegging It gets form. overwhelming, actually, yeah. <laughs> I look forward to It's actually to a bit that. too much, but, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've just got a mental image now of you just like frantically running around Primark, just grabbing all. I'll these send jeggings. you a photo. <laughs> Which one shall I choose? I want a jegging. Yeah. <laughs> oh, trousers and bras are the two things that have been a nightmare since having a kid. Like, I, I... yeah. I mean, I don't know if you did you breastfeed. So mine have like gone from like they go at porn star when you breastfeed because they're full of milk. And they're just huge and round and hold themselves up. And then they go to like hush puppy ears <laughs> or pitta bread. Like pears. Once they're done, yeah. once they've had their way with you, they just flop and you're like, oh. And they're all, yeah, you can't really put them in a bra anymore. So that's a problem. Yeah, it just feels weird. Like, There's my, no bra I've, that's comfy. I've yeah. got really small boobs anyway. And I was kind of liking having slightly bigger boobs. And now I'm just like, no bra looks good. So I've just been wearing like my yeah. maternity bras still like 10 months on and I don't even breastfeed anymore. So. <laughs> Great. You're not alone with that. I don't no. think this is it's... another problem with lockdown. I've forgotten how to dress and present myself. Oh yeah. It's, it's fine though. We'll get there and we're all in the same boat. So that just take solace and solidarity there. <laughs> Everybody looks like this together. Yeah. Isn't it? yeah. And the people that haven't have kids, don't even have the excuse that we have so (laughs) even better there you go yeah 
Okay. Right. Well, I'm going to let you get on with your evening. I'm going to go and prepare myself to go and pick up Winston and find out what carnage he's been causing in nursery today. Should be fun. It's witching hour now, isn't it? It's 5pm witching hour of, of, of tea and bath and, oh, good, good Lord. Yeah. Do you need me to keep you on here so that your husband strength. can uh, can do it all for you? Just like, oh, sorry, we ran over. <laughs> They're all in bed, great. I'll just it. go I'm crack out the wine. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday, though. It's Friday. We'll it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been really, really lovely to talk to you. It was lovely to virtually meet you. Yeah. And I'm sure, I mean, I'll probably speak to you in another couple of days anyway, on constantly on Instagram. So, and maybe we can sort out another yes. podcast down the line. I really want to do a group podcast with like other people that I've met. Cause I know that, you know, Bex um, from books, but book mum's the word. Yeah. Um, and it'd be really nice to just have like a, like a bonus episode where we all just get drunk and have a little chat on Zoom. So I might try and arrange that in the next couple of A best of boozy sesh. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, let's do it. Sounds good. All right. I'll get planning. I'll be up for that. (laughs) Cool. Okay. All right. I'll (laughs) chat to you soon. Bye. Speak to you soon. Take care. You too. Bye.